Chris wanted me to share on, what do you want me to share on? <laughs> Father's Day. Hey, um, really is important, and we, you know, fathers are important, it's, mothers are important. Um, God created male and female and gave different roles. And uh, the father role is important, the mother role is important. They're both, it's not an either or issue, we need both. Uh, this, it's why the enemy is so attacking the family today and attacking especially the father. If he can knock out the father, which is a representation of our heavenly father, there's so much damage in our lives. Uh, fathers bring security, they bring um, a sense of stability. Uh, there's so much that fathers do, and this is not about, you know, talking about all the different things they do, but the role of the father is very, very important. Um, it's the heavenly father that God is trying to get us to, to relate to. And so if the enemy can do whatever he can do to mess that up, he will. Uh, we live in a near, near fatherless generation. I mean, it's a time when, I mean, wow, he's doing everything possible to try to destroy fathers and destroy the relationship that we would potentially have with father. Think about this. Jesus said, when you pray, you pray to Father. Well, if you don't have a good concept, a good perception of Father God, uh, you probably aren't going to pray much. I mean, why would you spend time praying with someone you don't really like or, or really know or understand? He is love. He is good. So all those things that really we need in our lives, if we don't go to Father, we're going to have a hard time really living in life the way God wants us to. Yeah, you can get saved, go to heaven. But we're not talking about going to heaven. We're talking about living a life here that represents him. So I want to go to um, talk about uh, the Father. And I want us to look at John chapter 14. When you go there, um, John 13 is where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Then right after that, he begins to share with them, which we call the upper room discourse, probably the longest record we have of him speaking to the disciples before he goes to cross and he's telling them all kinds of things he first in 14 tells them i'm going to prepare a place for you um in my father's house are many dwelling places he's not talking about building a house in heaven he's talking about a place in father he is building a place in father how do you do that by going to the cross and dying for us he made a way. The same relationship that he had with Father, he's then, I'm going to prepare that same place for you to have the same relationship. The same relationship I had, we're going to have together. And then he says in verse 5, this is Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. Now, he just told him, he says, you know the way I'm going. But we don't know the way. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Um, interesting statement. He's saying, look, I'm not just the destination. I'm not just the end, end deal. I am the way. Earlier in John, he says, I'm the door for the sheep. We've made Jesus, receiving Jesus, the end. Receiving Jesus, the beginning. Yeah, come on. And, and he is a way, he's a way of life. He is the truth and he is the life. And he is the only way to the Father. Regardless of what anybody else says, you know, say, well, that's not politically correct. Absolutely not. You know, it's biblical. It's correct 
in the way that the Lord says it. He says, he said that. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm a way of life. That's what God is wanting us to do, is not just have a prayer, but have a relationship. It's a relationship with him. Uh, today, we, the whole issue of truth. What is truth? I mean, wow, the unbelievable amount of stuff that's being published out there. The question is, what's truth? Let me tell you something. He's truth. The only truth there is is right here. It's in the living word. The word of God, he watches over it to perform it. That's the only truth that will not change. And so we've got to know that he is the truth and he is the life and he is the only way to the Father. Interesting, when you go through and look at what Jesus did and said, it's a lot about the Father. See, he's trying to reveal the Father. He's trying to show us the Father. He's trying to get us to to live in a relationship with Father, not just go to heaven, but live in a relationship now. Verse 7 says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on you know him and have seen him. Isn't that what Jesus is saying? He's got the 11 standing around him. Judas has already been released to go and do whatever he was going to do in betraying him. So Philip said to him, verse 8, Lord, show us the Father, and it's sufficient for us. What he's saying is, okay. And then we're saying, show us the Father. That's all we need. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you've not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Now, I, you know, I love to read the scripture. Pastor Chris has said, well, put yourself in the scripture. Put yourself in that time. Now, here are the 11. They've seen the miracles. They've seen his healings. They've seen all the things that he's done. He's basically has said to before that he is God. He's made those statements. But what he says here, he said, uh, uh, Philip, hey, look here. You've seen me? You've seen the Father. I'm sure that the 11 just went, oh, he just said he was God. Now, again, being a good Jew in that day and time, you don't see God and live. I mean, that's been the history of their entire existence. Moses, one of the greatest figures in Jewish history, who encountered God in ways that really very few after that had, he said, I want to see your glory. This is in Exodus 33. And he said, I'll let my goodness pass before you. He said, because you cannot see my face and live. So I'm going to put you here in a cleft of the rock so that I can pass by and see my hind parts. They knew that. You can't see God. The whole point of the tabernacle and the elaborate details of the tabernacle was so God could dwell among his people. But again, they couldn't come in his presence. Only the high priest one time a year. And, it, and, it, and only then they weren't sure if he was going to be accepted. So the, they put bells on his robe so in case he wasn't accepted and a rope around his leg, they could drag him out. But as long as they hear those bells ringing, then they figure, oh, he's still alive. I mean, this is, the, this is God. So Jesus just tells them, guys, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I mean, that's profound. I mean, they're sitting there going, whoa, wow. And you know something? It's the same way we see Father today, too. It through Jesus. It's by seeing him. If you've seen him, you've seen the Father. So show us the Father. He said, I've been showing him to you the whole time. I've been living, walking, breathing, talking, sharing, healing, delivering, all that stuff. 
I didn't do one thing that was on my own will. I didn't say anything that he didn't say. I didn't do anything he's not doing. I have not come to do my will but him who sent me. So you want to see the Father? You go read and look at Jesus. Go look at the Gospels. That's who, that's who our Father really is. And that's why the enemy wants everything possible. You, you may get to believe in Jesus, go to heaven, but see what Jesus is is the way and the truth and the life and he is a full representation of the Father. Colossians says he is the image of the invisible God. Uh, in Hebrews it says that he is the exact representation of Father. So it's not some, you want to see Father? We need to see Jesus. We want to embrace Jesus and we get to continue on. And that's what really God wants us to do. So with the time remaining I've got, I want to talk to you about a parable that uh, is in the Gospels. And again, I just encourage you, you want to see Jesus? Spend time in the Gospels. Read the Gospels. See what Jesus did. See what he said. Uh, ask him to reveal Father to you because it's what he does. Everything that he does is a revelation of Father. This is a parable out of Luke chapter 15. Uh, in my Bible, and most, again, a lot of you are looking at electronic devices, but if in Bibles and old Bibles, it would be the story of the prodigal son. My Bible says the story of the lost son. Let me tell you what it really is. It's a, a revelation of father. It's not about the lost. It's not about the older brother. It's about, a, it's about father. Verse 11 of chapter 15 of Luke. A certain man had two sons. And remember, Jesus is telling this parable. The younger of them said to the father, Father... Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country, and there wasted the possessions with prodigal living. Now, again, let me, I'm going to make comments. I'm going to read a few verses and we'll make comments and walk through this. Uh, when Jesus is telling a parable, he's not just telling us some story. Remember, they asked him, they said, why do you tell them parables? He said, for you to know, it's been given, for you to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but everybody else gets things in parables. What's he saying? He's saying, well, you can understand what I'm saying, and you can get something out of it. But for you that are sons and daughters, there's a lot deeper revelation and meaning. That's what he wants us to know. You want to get something? Yeah, you can get something. You really want to know? Then press in, and I'll give you more. Uh, there, there's no end to the revelation of who Jesus is. So he tells these stories, and sometimes they're sort of outlandish. This is one of those that's somewhat outlandish. Uh, the son said, Father, give me my portion of goods at part of my inheritance. And uh, then after many days, it said he just took off, went to a far country. Well, first and foremost is that, and probably in today's time too, no father would give their son their share of inheritance. And it uh, just wouldn't be done. He goes, yeah, sure, I'm going to do that. <laughs> you know? But then what he does, though, if you read behind the lines, you read this, you realize that the son took his possessions, and he basically said, I am out of here. I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want anything to do with your religion. I don't want anything to do with your country. I don't want to do anything with my nationality at all. I am out of here. Goodbye. That's what that thing. I mean, this is not a casual, I'm going to move to Fort Worth. You know, no, this is a complete... I am not going to have anything to do with anything that has to do with you. I mean, it's severe. Verse 14, of course, he wasted his, his living. Verse 14 said he, 
He spent all there. There arose a severe famine in the land. He began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. He would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him anything to eat. Boy, it's a nice state, isn't it? Isn't that wonderful? Takes what he has, he lost it all, wasted it all, with prodigal living, it says. And he had to end up literally being an indentured servant to someone. And what did he do? He told him to go feed swine. Not sheep, not cows, not horses, but dirty pigs. You do understand that's unclean to a Jew. So Jesus is making this story. You know, he is telling this parable, trying to make a major point. This poor boy, he's in bad shape. He spent all of his inheritance, lost all of his money. He is in a foreign land. He has nothing. He's hungry. And the only job he gets is to feed pigs. Now, look, pigs are nasty. I grew up on a farm. We had pigs. We had cows. We had all kinds of, of, of animals. There's just something uniquely dirty about a pig. And, I mean, when, it, when they use the term slopping the hogs, there's a, there's a reason why. It is just nasty. Uh, we had hogs. I can smell hogs to this day. I, I can. When I come, I mean, from a long distance, you may say, well, I don't smell any hogs. There's not any in town. That's why you don't smell them. But I can, I can, they have a distinct odor. Now, I can tell smell horses and cows, too. But I can smell pigs. And uh, we actually have a place out in the country that had pigs on there. And I can, I can smell them when they've been around. Um, this poor guy, he's in bad shape. I mean, he's hungry, he's broke, and he is feeding pigs. And he, whatever they eat is not very good for him. Verse 17 says, when he came to himself... He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Wow. Now, if you ever want to know what true repentance is, that is true repentance. He, he was hungry and he was humble. And what he did, he came to himself. Now, you know what he really did? He came to the end of himself. The problem is self. Mm -hmm. And he was going to prove himself, give me what I want, I'm going to go do what I want. He did, and it came to nothing. Right. True life is quit living for yourself and living for God. Uh, we've been working with Care Center Ministries for over 30 plus years. Eldred Sawyer and the group. And he was an eighth grade uh, dropout heroin addict on the street. And God changed his life and saved him. And what they've been doing for years is taking people off the street and helping them recover. But here's the truth, and he'll tell you today. Until someone comes to the end of themselves, won't get help. They've had people cycle through the program, cycle through the program, cycle through the program. And the program hadn't changed. It's not like the program doesn't work. The, the issue is when you, 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 to get help, you have to come to the end of yourself. Right. You have to die to self. And when you die to self, you can find true life in Christ. And what this guy did, he began, he came to himself. He, he said, 
I, I'm, I'm gone. And he acknowledged Father. He goes, wow, Father, mm, I'm going to go to my Father and I'm going to say, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Verse 20. So he arose and he came to the Father. But when he was still a great way off, the Father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. That's profound. Okay, picture this. The son has taken his goods. He's gone and wasted them all. He is now, it's if he's hungry, so that means he hadn't eaten very well. He's been slopping pigs. Comes to himself and he goes, okay, I give. I'm broken. I, I've got to go back to Father. It's the only, it's the only thing I've got. Folks, that's the way it is with all of us. We've got to go back to Father. And Jesus is the only way to Father. So he, he says he arose, he began to go back. He's filthy. He is hungry, and he's walking along. And it says the father saw him from a long way off, and, and he had compassion and ran to him. Now, let's just picture this now, just for a second. Now, if I had that son, I'm going, oh, my God. Here comes my father. He is going to kill me. <laughs> Isn't that true? He is absolutely going to wear me out. And, I mean, can you imagine? He's running. He's running to him. He goes, whoa. And he runs up and grabs him. And starts embracing him and starts kissing on him. Now, I'm just to be honest. If that was me, I'd be so stiff. I mean, I just, I would, I'd be frozen. First thing, I know I'm dirty. I know what I've done. Now, I've rehearsed all the way. Father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. I mean, I've practiced that because I want to get right. I just can't imagine what that would actually be like. Can you? Can you imagine this condition this son's in to have his father he's showing a long way off how far is that I don't know but the Bible says it was a long way off it was a long way off the father saw him why because the father was looking for him see this is a story about father <clears throat> we think that our sin has caused God to turn away Mm, I'm not going to have anything to do with that boy again. You know, no, it's the opposite. It's, it's me who's turned away. He never stopped looking. He's still looking. Looking for what? For me to turn around and to come back to him. He hasn't changed. He's the same father. He's a perfect father. He says he saw him from a long way off. He was looking for him. Had compassion. He, not just, he didn't just have some... He, he completely emotionally embraced him, fell on his neck and kissed him. The boy is dirty. Seriously. Smells. He's been with pigs. Okay, he, he wasted all his money, right? So that means he couldn't stop at the local Holiday Inn, take a shower on the way in. <laughs> and she can't just put that in your mind. This is not, he's not in good shape here. He's in bad shape. Father completely embraces him. That's our Father. That's how he sees all of us. No matter what you've been, no matter where you've gone, no matter what you've done, he's waiting for you to come back. And he is looking. He is looking for you. The son says in verse 21, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I guarantee you he practiced that all the way back. You know, so he gets it in. 
Well, here's what the father says. You are the sorriest, low-down, no-count. Is that what your Bible says? That's probably what I would have done. I would have said, you've got to be kidding me. You've wasted all your money, and look what you did. Not the father. What did the father do? Now, just picture this again. The son's coming here, and he's, he's just embraced him. And he, I'm sure he's pushed away. He said, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy because your son. Father goes, hey, get the robe. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Oh, by the way, go get that fatty calf and kill it. We are going to have a party. Yeah, if I was the son, I'd be sitting there going, uh, 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 you, uh, Hello, I've, I've been practicing this. Father never responded. You know why? Because your repentance is not to get God to do something. Repentance is to get you back in relationship with him. Do you think he already knew what was going on? Do you think Father knows what's going on in your life right now? Do you know that he knows everything and he is not shocked by it? He hadn't said, oh, my gosh, I never thought of that one. Woo! No, he already knows. He's still, he's looking. He's waiting. He's at the door knocking, waiting for someone to open that door. Open that door. I'll come into you. I'll come in and sup with you. We have so many misconceptions about Father. This is our Father. This is the story about Father. Father was not put off by his dirtiness. Father was not put off by his prodigal living. Father was not put off by all the things that he had done and his waste and all of that stuff. He wasn't put off by that. He was waiting for him to come back. Let's have a party. And look, he put a robe of righteousness on him. Do you realize he's still dirty? See, that's what he does for us. He robes us with a robe of righteousness. See, we think we have to clean ourselves up. Well, if I get my act together, I'll get my act together, and then I'll come back to church. I'll get my act together, I'm going to come back to Jesus. No, you're not. You got to come back dirty. You got to come back humble and say, Lord, I'm, 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 I'm messed up. Let him wrap his arms of love around you and that robe of righteousness, which is Jesus. Let him put a ring on your finger. You know what that signified? That signified that he's a son. That signified that he could do business for the father. I mean, that's just a little bit too far for me. I'll be honest. <laughs> My son had squandered everything, and I'm going to, he's going to come back. I'm going to say, okay, son, go right. You can start operating the business again. Do whatever you want to. Because that ring represented authority. And when, in that day and time, they would have hot wax, and they would seal that signet on that ring. That was guaranteed that that family would obligate themselves to whatever they did. Wow. Put him right back into favored state. And then he said, put some sandals on his feet. Can you imagine how dirty those feet were? Been slopping hogs, feeding pigs, and he had to walk all that long distance. Put some sandals on there. Put the gospel of peace on his feet because he's going to represent me. So you can't see. We think we got to clean ourselves up. The father didn't think so. The father thinks, I'll clean you up. You just come back to me. See, that's what we, we have so many misconceptions about God you know, well, he's really angry with me. No, he's not. He hates sin, but he loves you. And he took out his wrath on Jesus on that cross, who died our death and took our punishment so we could be joined to Father. And so this is, it continues on. 
So the father told him to do this. He looked at verse 24. This was my son was dead and alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be married. Now verse 25. Now the older son was in the field. And he came and drew near to the house. And he heard music and dancing. Folks, they're having a party. You realize that? Well, don't ever dance in church, though, whatever you do. <clears throat> oh, did I say that? Sorry about that. That just came popping right out. So he called one of the servants and asked if these what are these things? And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatty calf. Now you do understand the fatty calf is special. And it's not just a regular old calf. They didn't say go out there and just get one out of the field. No, this is one they've been feeding and preparing for the special time. It's a special deal. Well, he was angry and would not go in. Look at this. Therefore, the father came out and pleaded with him. Do you realize, again, this is father. Father comes out, and he's pleading with the older son. He's saying, look, I know you're angry, but I want you, you know, he came out there pleading with him. He said, come on in. Let's have a party. This is what the older son said in verse 29. He answered and said to him, Father, lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgress your commandments at any time. At least he's got no pride. And yet never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. I mean, if you think about what he's saying there. He said, man, look, I have been serving you all my life. I've been doing everything you, that I thought you wanted me to do. And you've never once threw a party for me. Isn't that amazing? Now look at verse 30. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, who killed, you killed the fatted calf for him. Now, first thing I ask, how did he know he was with harlots? You ever read, read the scripture and ask these questions? He didn't say he was. He said he had wasteful, prodigal living. If you look it up, it means wasteful living. Now, where did he get that? See, more than likely, the father had servants watching for his son the whole time. <coughs> Probably came back and said, oops, you're not going to believe what that boy's doing. He's not supposed to be doing that stuff. But the older son holds that against him. And he said, I love this. This is what Jesus said. I mean, this is what the father said. Son, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours. Isn't that amazing? Do you believe that about father? Do you believe that he calls you a son or a daughter? It's not based on your performance. It's based on his. See, he's not judging us based upon what you do. He, he is righteous. He's perfect. He's a perfect father. He's saying, son, you've always been with me. Everything I have is yours. Now, here's the real problem. Many of us sitting in church today, we've gone to church most of our lives. We're out there serving, pedaling that back as fast as we can, serving God, serving God, serving God. But I'll tell you something, we've never really received his love. Never really received him. We see Jesus, but we still have that tendency to believe that, you know, I just need to do more. I just need to do better. I just need to be better. I just need to, if I just, if I, if, 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 if it's all about me. See, it's not about you. It's about him. And what this story is, is a story about father because it's so contrary to the way we think and we believe and the way we act. But it's about father. Son. 
you've always been with me, and all that I have is yours. Do you believe that all that he has is yours today? You may be sitting there going, well, I need something. It's all yours. He paid for it at the cross. He has given everything that he's got. Verse 32 says, It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. I believe, and we believe in leadership here, that there is going to be an awakening in this nation and across the face of the earth. That God's going to pour out his spirit and that there are people going to come into the kingdom of God. And you may say, well, it looks bad on one side. Yeah, it sure does. Remember, these two crops are growing up simultaneously to the end. They're going to get more mature as we can do toward the end time. Well, listen, there's going to be a harvest of souls, and there's going to be a lot of prodigals returning to the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something. They're not going to be real clean. And we better be sure in the church that we don't look at them the way the older brother did. <laughs> I mean, that old, that old self-righteous, well, mm, mm, I can't believe mm, they, they look like that, dress like that, act like that. Folks, they're not going to be clean. They're not going to be cleaned up when they get here. You know, it's not our job to clean them up. We got to lead them to Jesus and lead them to the Father. And Father will clean them up. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to take us to a whole new place. And he said, well, I've never, never seen that before. That's right. Going someplace we've not been before. Now, I want to pray for us. Uh, there's a, basically four groups of people I want to pray for today. The first group, you may be here or you may be watching online and you really don't know Jesus. Uh, Jesus is not only the way, the truth, and the life, but he's the only way to the Father. But what Jesus is saying is not about knowing who he is, it's about knowing him. Uh, John 17, 3 says eternal life is that you might know the living God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. It's about a relationship, not about praying a prayer. And so you may be here, you may say, well, you know, I don't know if I really know him. You can know him if you ask. We're going to pray here in a moment. Second group of people, I felt like the Lord said there are prodigals maybe here and watching. And there's some of you who have been prodigals, but you've returned to the Lord. But let me tell you something, you still feel dirty and guilty. And that shame is what the enemy keeps using against you. You need to recognize, listen, he's clothed you with a robe of righteousness, and it's not about you cleaning yourself up. You know, it's, well, I wish I hadn't have done this or wish that hadn't have been done to me. Yeah, turn to him and behold him. We're changed from glory to glory as we behold him, not trying to get our act together. Please hear me. You can't fix that shame and guilt. He took it. Isaiah 61, we shared on Wednesday night, he gives you double honor. Who, want, who doesn't want double honor? Give up your shame. A third group I want to pray for are many of us in this room. And we've gone to church, been in church, raised in church, and I'm telling you, we're still performing to try to gain acceptance from Father God. Because we projected our earthly father's image onto him, and we think he's like our earthly father. He is not like our earthly father. He is a perfect father. And regardless of what's happened in your life, he wants us to come to him and receive the full acceptance and love that he gives to us 
not based on our performance. I'm telling you, it's a treadmill. You're going to treadmill and start working and running, 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 running. You know, the devil's got the, he's got the control on that deal. He just speeds it up. So you're not doing enough. You need to do more. He speeds it up. He just runs faster. I got to do more. got to do more. got to do more. And I'm going to tell you something. You can never do that. You're at the dead end. You got to die to that and recognize that, wow, it's all about you, Father. And then the fourth group would be those of us who you really do know the Father, but who, who can possibly know the depths of his love and how great he really is. We're told in Ephesians 1 to pray that God would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Yes. Lord, help us to know you, not just know about you. So let me pray. Father, we love you and we bless you. We thank you so much. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through you. And I pray, Lord, now, if there's anyone here watching or listening um, or here in the room that, that they're not sure if they know you, I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to reveal the Lord Jesus to them, that they would not only just pray a prayer, but they would come into a new relationship with you and be joined to Father. Lord, I pray for those that may be prodigals, may be prodigals right now. I pray, Lord, they would come to the end of themselves and they would return to you. And I pray, Lord, for those who have returned, I pray, Lord, that they would receive the complete forgiveness and the washing of the water of the, the precious blood of the Lamb, that their sins would be blotted out. And, Lord, that you would, they would sense that robe of righteousness, the acceptance of the Father, and that shame would be broken. The guilt and shame would be washed away. And Lord, they would enjoy your presence as a son or a daughter and would know you and your love at a greater dimension than ever before. And Father, I pray for those of us that have been in church. Lord, we've, Lord we have a tendency to perform to be accepted. Forgive us. Forgive us for not just totally believing and trusting in what you have done for us and embracing the fullness of your amazing love. Wow. Lord, I want, we want to know your love. We don't want to know about it. We want to know your love. We want to know your amazing grace, your goodness. And Lord, I pray for all of us that, that Lord, from this point of this message forward, we would continue to have an ongoing revelation of your amazing love, that, Lord, of your goodness and your grace, that you are a perfect Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you for revealing your amazing love to us. Wow. Father, we love you. We bless you. We are so grateful. Thank you, thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.